Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with microcap management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN Live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on that's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies, so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of. One of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Michael Toporek, CEO of Saluna Holdings, Inc., publicly traded company. The symbol is SLNH on NASDAQ. Saluna Holdings is a leading developer of green data centers that convert excess renewable energy into global computing resources. Saluna builds modular, scalable data centers for computing intensive, batchable applications such as cryptocurrency mining, AI, and machine learning. We recorded the interview on March 28, 2022, and since then, the company has announced the sale of its MTI Instruments subsidiary to Vitrec LLC. The company, as it states in their press release, and I quote here, expects that it will be solely focused on developing and monetizing green, zero-carbon computing and cryptocurrency mining facilities, end quote. Michael and I discussed the company's focus and why the company is thrown into the crypto mining bucket uh, when, as the title states, they're a solutions provider to the renewable energy generating business, description of their suite of services and how they are helping energy providers, what investors tend to misunderstand about Saluna. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Michael Toporek, CEO of Saluna Holdings, Inc. Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and joining me today is Michael Toparek. He is the CEO of Saluna Holdings, Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is SLNH on NASDAQ. Michael, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, Robert. Great to be here. Thanks for hosting me. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me a little bit. Let's start off with that one line that best describes the company. Can, can, you, can you provide that? Yeah, I, I think that you know we're thrown into the, the the crypto mining bucket, but I think we are fundamentally different in that we are a solutions provider to the renewable energy generating business. What that means is wind farms, solar farms, renewable power plants have curtailed energy. They don't sell everything they produce. We help them monetize everything 
they produce. They, we sell every megawatt. So if you produce it, we buy it. And that's been a great opportunity for us to help put more renewable power on the grid and take renewable plants that are marginally profitable and, and have them become super profitable for their owners. Um, and, and we right now put uh, cryptocurrency mining in our modular data centers co-located at the wind farm um, to, to take the wind farm's excess energy and convert that to dollars for the owners. Absolutely. So was that the original problem that the company was trying to solve or has that thesis evolved over and, or changed over time? I think when we started the business, we knew that we were helping put more renewable energy on the grid. And for example, one of the other projects that we uh, have in operation today is working with the utility to help it stabilize the grid because they're putting more renewable energy on the grid. This next data center that we're building called Dorothy is literally 100 megawatts located at a wind farm behind the meter, taking power directly from the wind farm. And it's helping the wind farm monetize power that it would otherwise get no revenue for. So, um, and we've been lucky in that we've had uh, a variety of different industry players contact us to help us enhance the economics of marginal projects. And that's what we do. Very good. All right, we're, we're going to get into the business side of things in a little bit, but I, I also want to give some context as to your background. You know, what, what, what were you doing prior to founding and joining sure. uh, uh, Saluna? Uh, personally, um, I was helping to run a private equity firm called Brookstone Partners. And um, we actually took a stake in the predecessor entity to Saluna um, about five years ago. We owned 40% of the, of the then public company. And Saluna, as it's known now today, was created by combining our public company investment with another investment we made in a private company, combining those two companies. And that's the Saluna we know today. And we're in the process of completing the divestiture of the legacy instruments business, which is a great business, but just sort of doesn't fit with where Saluna is going today. So what, what was that original thesis for you when you're saying, okay, this looks like in, you joined the company. I, I may have misspoke and said you found or joined. But you joined I, was, I was a director of right. uh, the predecessor company for about four years when we were looking for various you know, acquisitions, growth opportunities, mm -hmm. and you know, ways to use the company uh, as the company had some had operating losses and to be able to use it as a platform to, to grow by acquisition. And it turned out that the best use of capital, one of the best use of capital I'd ever seen in my lifetime at scale was you know, essentially a crypto mining where the returns on invested capital were significant and were of scale that it was a very attractive business to get into. And then, and then we, we um, transitioned the company into that business. I took over on an interim basis and then became permanent CEO. Absolutely. All right. So let, let's dive into the business itself because it, it, it seems that Saluna has probably gotten the most attention, right, for it on the crypto mining side, kind of lumped in, as you said at the beginning, with everything having to do with crypto. So yes. can you, on the business side, can you describe the company's full slate of products and services? Yeah, I mean, our revenue comes from two streams. One is um, by um, operating modular data centers that have inside them processors that um, either do Bitcoin mining or altcoin mining. That's the first stream of revenue. 
The second stream of revenue is we also have a hosting joint venture where uh, we have a, a very large company host. We host about 10 megawatts for them. And that is the second revenue stream we have. We are in the process of building a third revenue stream, which is high performance computing or dense batchable computing. And by that, I mean, um, in the same way that crypto could be turned on and off in terms of um, it, it could run and then depending on what the grid needs, you can turn it off. There's a whole school of, or there's a whole group of computing that's um, job related as opposed to always on. For example, like computer graphics, artificial intelligence, pharmaceutical research, um, various you know, researchers at universities, scientific research, where they're sending a particular problem to a compute resource and they want the answer back. And these data centers are ideally positioned to do that. And the profitability of that kind of revenue stream from our understanding is very significant, rivaling or possibly exceeding crypto. And we could offer that service at a very significant discount to what's offered in the marketplace through things like AWS, because we're not an always on center. We're not spending billions. We're, we provide a very discrete service to a very small segment of the gigantic market. And so you'll see us this year begin to build up over the course of the year, a, uh, a pilot project around this dense computing business. And over time, you should expect us to build a meaningful third piece or third revenue stream around dense batchable computing that can flip on and off that has customers like Pfizer, universities, and all sorts of things like that. Absolutely. So we're going to dig into the, the high performance computing, what, what you got, what you got in the cooker right now, uh, a little bit later, because it, it sounds like that you're, you're pretty passionate about it, but I want to dig into the, the, the operating modular data centers uh, that have the processors for, for Bitcoin and altcoin mining, you know, because that the, the, it seems from my understanding, it seems there, there's a lot of competitors, not just on a larger scale, but then, you know, you know, uh, anybody that has some kind of computing that maybe they could do on their own in their own uh, uh, room or whatever. So what would you say makes Saluna unique and different compared to some of your peers out there? I think most importantly is we're providing a solution to the power sector. And as a consequence, our power cost is top decile or top quartile. Our power cost is two and a half cents per kilowatt hour or lower. That means that through a crypto cycle, we'll be profitable in the 20. 18, 2019 crypto winter, two and a half cents a kilowatt hour, we're in profitable every day. And I anticipate that we will be profitable every single day through any sort of ups and downs. That's not a statement that most miners can make. I don't know everybody's power cost. That's why I say we're between top decile and top quartile. From what I can read, some people say this top decile. I don't believe it. I say top quartile. So I'm, I'm, I'm in that zone. And so as long as there's a Bitcoin, they'll be our company. And that's what you can be assured of. We won't be flipping off. And I don't think that's true of many other market participants. So what's the secret sauce? I mean, from what you can tell me, of course, you know, for, that is a proprietary, but what, what is that secret sauce that you're, really, you can make those claims? There really isn't a secret sauce. There is the utility regulatory power regime is not so straightforward to deal with in this country. So getting yourself situated behind the meter, buying power 
from the wind farm so that you're avoiding many of the fees of the grid. Um, that in itself and, and, and making that kind of approach consistent with the various regulators and other utilities around, that's hard. And from what I can tell, we're, I'm not going to say the first because who, who knows, but we're amongst the first to do this because the utilities and the regulators, they don't have a cookie cutter. They're not pulling documents off the shelf to say yes to. They're crafting them. What I do know is, is that they have other requests to do something similar. So I think we, we're, we're amongst the early ones, but I don't think we're, we'll be the only ones to do this because this is a gigantic you know, problem. This curtailed power all over the world is in the tens to hundreds of billions of dollars. So there's room for many, many players. We don't need to be the only ones. We're early. We know what we're doing. And we'll have uh, a real flagship project uh, to show power generators and owners of, of, of renewable energy assets exactly by the number how we take their curtailed power and give them dollars for it. And what's really interesting actually is talking to guys that are financing the renewable industry, more and more new projects are getting built with crypto already baked in to the base. So they, they already say, hey, in case we cancel everything, we're, we want to leverage the revenue stream off of crypto. And that's causing the infrastructure guys that are used to very boring revenue streams like from PPAs only to scratch their head saying, hmm, it's a legitimate revenue stream. How do we leverage that? What kind of credit do we give to that? But we think over time, nearly every renewable project to, that's built, at least in the United States, you know, look three years out, will have some sort of dispatchable load on-prem that they could turn on and off. And that is highly likely to be some sort of compute resource since that's the easiest to construct on-prem. So this might be a dumb question, but I'm known for asking dumb questions sometimes. So I think it was an article I remember reading last year, um, maybe it was on Coindesk or something like that, about how there's also an energy crisis or there's just there's a lot of issues with how much energy it takes for crypto mining. So how is what Saluna Holdings doing um, addressing that? We're taking energy that would be in the garbage can, fishing it out and turning it into money. So it's like, imagine meals on wheels for power. Like the business would throw all this away in a garbage can. We'll say, we'll take it and we'll turn it into money for you. That's, just, that's the difference. I just, I don't I can't... How, how is, are, I mean, are people starting to become aware that there are these energy resources available that they can use towards not just crypto mining, but any other sorts of energy use cases? Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's, it's a well-known problem in the industry in that when we advertise our solution, uh, we have utilities talk to us all the time and say, can you really do this? Show me. And we can, and we'll have a you know, project that specifically does a set of wind farm, you know, as we speak as under construction. So I think that more and more, this helps put more renewable power on the grid. That's what really crypto is enabling. 
it's improving the economics of what might otherwise be marginal renewable projects and helping them get it built. So I, I was going to save this question for a little later, but I, I figured now might be a good time. What, what would you say investors get most confused when you're, maybe they've gone through your presentation or they're geniuses like me that had, uh, you know, been following for a while, you know, but what, what do they still get confused about Solana? Um, it's hard to tell what investors get confused about because honestly, we put out our financials and operating metrics by location every month. And I do like a 20 or 25 minute voiceover or a PowerPoint. And I really explain in detail what we're doing in every location, attempt to be, attempt to be transparent and clear. We answer investor questions very thoroughly. We have a, a John and I, uh, who's a CEO of the, the compute uh, subsidiary, do a, uh, do a, uh, you know, ask management anything, video call every once in a while. And I think investors generally have a pretty good understanding of what we do. And I think because we really work at it. So I'm not sure they're confused by very much. Once in a while, they're confused by some numbers that we put out and how does this number mesh with this number? And uh, what is, you know, you're buying, you know, which processor are you buying or how come you're not more power dense and things like that. Some more technical questions we get which we clarified for people very quickly. Um, but we, we take great pains to be clear and transparent and then you know, communicate the answers to any technical questions quickly. Got it. So what, what does the competitive landscape look like? I mean, if you had to say, all right, this is, so this is kind of a similar Saluna Holdings-y like company that's maybe a little larger. Um, it's hard for me to define what a competitor is because technically every miner is a competitor because we're all competing for the block reward. But it's, are they really a competitor? I mean, they're, I'm, not, I'm not hurting them. I'm not vying for a customer. It's a statistical outcome. So to some extent, every miner is a competitor. And it's my job to have lower power costs than every other miner. So from that perspective, um, like I said, top decile to qu top quartile. So from that perspective, great. That's the competitive landscape. The other competition is for capital. I think we get our investment story out there, and I think we, have good, do, we do a good job at raising capital effectively and deploying capital for shareholders effectively uh, in terms of the, the capital expenditure decisions we make, the timing and the pricing we pay for things. So this isn't a traditional industry where I'm pitching a particular customer and uh, they go with one person or another. The other possible way to look at competitors is we're pitching a particular utility or site owner and they go with us or they go with somebody else. That's truly a competitive decision. And so from that perspective, you know, life is competitive and I'm not sure I would say we've lost a project to anybody else, but it's still early days. And I know that everybody we talk to has talked with others in the business. So we, from that perspective, for good projects, we probably have some competitors out there that are trying to offer what we're offering. Um, and we've been successful to a great extent. We've got a very strong pipeline. And I, I don't recall hearing that 
oh, we lost that one XYZ company is developing that site. But it's probably just a matter of time before that kind of information you know, actually happens and gets back to me because the industry is mature. Got it. So, I mean, this, like how often do you have to field that question? Like, okay, yeah, I get you have this revenue generating side of the business that maybe some other miners don't actually have, but uh, you're also then going to get the reward of, your, you know, you're mining for Bitcoin and other altcoins. You know, what are you going to then do with all of that? I'm sure that you get that all the time from folks that maybe are still trying to wrap their head around the story. Yeah, bit. because um, a lot of people ask us, um, why we don't hold the coin on our balance sheet. Mm. All of my competitors, not all, many of my competitors hold the coin in their balance sheet. Mm -hmm. I, I, I went to the University of Chicago. I got my undergrad and MBA there. And frankly, I believe investors can best allocate their own risk and return without me. They can go to Coinbase and dynamically allocate between how much coin they want to own and how much my stock they want to own. As opposed to me saying, okay, I'm going to keep 30% of my market cap in Bitcoin. Well, maybe that's not the right risk reward for you. Maybe you'd like more Bitcoin exposure or less Bitcoin exposure. That's why I say, you want to own the coin, go to Coinbase. So your, your total exposure to the crypto space is some coin and some mining equities. That's great. You decide what ratio makes, for you, makes sense for you. And you can dynamically reallocate over time. So I think that's the right answer. Uh, obviously, many people in the industry think differently than I do, but that's okay. So um, I want to now talk about the, the third line uh, revenue stream that you're currently developing on, for high-performance computing. Can you tell us what, what that... Uh, industry looks like right now? What are the problems and, and how you're, what you're developing is looking to solve some of that? Okay. So the, there are, there are two aspects to that. Number one, you have the, um, the, the power generator that's generating too much power. So he's got a problem. He needs to monetize that. We're solving that by putting the modular data center at their location. You got the scientist that says, I don't want to pay AWS a price for always on kick-ass data centers when I'm going to send them a big batch job where if it comes back at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't care if they run it in a data center that's seven nines, five nines. It comes back. It's right. It's good. It's done. He's buying a Rolls Royce when a Chevy will do just as well. So with us, the, the, the solution we offer is much more efficient computing that's much more tailored to, the, to what they need. They're not overbuying. So for example, for a researcher at the University of Chicago, for example, he's got a research budget, he can probably do you know, twice as much or three times as much with the same research budget. That's outstanding. And you know, there, there's a professor at the University of Chicago whose name escapes me that's a big proponent of this kind of computing and really believes that computing should be paired up with renewable energy. And that's really the future uh, of computing because he thinks the two absolutely mesh together. And that's very much our thesis. Got it. It's reminding, I went to UCSD and I'm, it reminds me of uh, 
you know, you walk around, they always advertise, here's the supercomputer lab right here. And it's just this big ordeal. Like you got to go. And, you know, I'm business guy. Just think, oh, supercomputer. Like what, what does that even mean? You know, this, but this is back in to that between 2007, 2011, before crypto was a, well, was still a, a in, in Satoshi era. Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, so my, my next question then for you is we're talking about reaching our, 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 our target customer base. You know, how does the company go about doing that? Or is it more inbound because they see that there's this potentially better renewable energy solution here? I, I think that let's call a customer um, the project owner. We have extensive outreach to different project owners. When we have general marketing, we have, you know, we, we have a network of people we know and we've got, you know, we, we field incoming calls and we are becoming increasingly known in the power generation sector for being able to provide this kind of solution. And, and as we build out more products, more, more projects, I would expect um, more the ratio of incoming to outgoing to further increase. You know, on the project side, I mean, how long does it take to from, all right, here's potential idea for a project to coming online? I knew you were going there. Um, and the right answer, it varies according to the regulatory regime. But let me just think back. From the first moment of contact to powering up, 12 to 18 months. And that's not because it takes that much time to actually do anything. It's getting the power generator to believe what you're saying. And then to run it through their own internals and say, this makes sense. Then they get the mandate from their people and say, okay, let's move forward with this. Then you have to talk with all the regulatory bodies to get everything done. Then you have to negotiate a series of contracts. All of this has to get done when the people you're working with have day jobs, if you know what I mean, when, when this is outside of their normal course. And so inevitably, this just takes longer than you'd like it to take. Uh, actually building out one of these data centers is a three to four month exercise at best at some sort of scale. We've gotten very good at it, have standard buildings that we you know, prefab, ship to a site and, and flip on. We're, we're very good at it. So the physical aspect is not the... Uh, the difficult part. Although I would say that our team has gotten very good at managing supply chain. So we've actually ordered infrastructure for locations we don't even know yet. We have transformers ordered, we've got electrical switch gear ordered for locations that we don't we haven't settled on the, the next set of locations we'll build. But if you're going to build anything next year, you have to have all that stuff on order. So things that we're using this year we already ordered last year. Got it. How do you evaluate a potential site for a project? You know, what, what are some of your criteria there? Um, it's, it's the general rule is return on invested capital. So what we do is we ask the uh, utility to send us uh, their power curves, what they're generating, what they're selling, what they're curtailing. And based on that, we can say, okay, how much energy can we take in? How much and over what kind of time, what kind of size? And what kind of equipment can we put there? Is the revenue generated from their curtailment sufficient to return capital based on the capital we've got to put on the ground to monetize that? And then if we can supplement what they're doing with efficient power from the grid, then that gives us more uptime. And then we can say, okay, between taking something from the grid and taking most of it from the wind farm, um, 
we're up, you know, 92% of the time. So that works. Or if we're up 83% of the time, depending on the rate, that could work. And then we just use math and say, okay, the returns look like this. How much does it take to invest? And does the investment make sense for us? Got it. And how, I mean, what, what is the potential market penetration here? I mean, how many different areas or places for projects can there be? Um, for right now, I guess. This curtailment is a major global problem. And we have potential sites from Australia to Europe to North America that we're talking to. So it's a global problem that's very big that will take more companies than ours to help solve. And that's great from what I can tell. And then on the regulatory side of things, you said during when you're getting everything set up, you know, that's usually what ends up why some of this takes 12 to 18 months. What, is, what, what does that mean? You know, what regulatory bodies are you going through and how, how does that work? Um, every region in the country has a different set of regulators and utilities and co-ops that you have to work with. And it's really uh, site specific. And so you have to get permission to build your project. You've got permission to buy and sell off the grid. You've, um, depending on the marketplace you're in, you have to you know, comply with their regulations and fit into their regulatory framework. So that governs the economic structure of your project. So you have to sit there and show them, okay, these are your rules. And we think we're allowed to do our project this way in your rules. And they say, hmm, are you? Or you are, maybe, maybe not. And then you kind of work through the agreements with them and, and it just takes time. I mean, this is, I anticipate that in 18 months, this will take a lot less time because the regulators will be much more familiar with this type of structure and they'll say yes or no much more quickly. So how would you say the company wins? You know, what, what is that thesis that if realized, these are the inflection points that will lead to growth and shareholder value? I think two things. One, we have to continue to raise capital, invest capital effectively. And two, we have to be the preferred provider in the world of, you know, curtailment solutions. If you have a curtailed power plant, we want first call to be to Saluna. And that's a really big business. And if we are really good at that, that means that we've succeeded in putting a, a tremendous amount more renewable energy onto the grid. And that's very satisfying to our, to our, to our people, to our shareholders. And you know, we will have enabled more renewable energy to be installed globally. And that's really what we're about. So I actually, I wanted to ask about culture because I'm assuming everybody that is currently on, on the Saluna team or looking to join the Saluna team, is there, is that really what motivates everyone on a daily basis is understanding that, okay, you know, we're, we're curtailing, we're adding more renewable energy to the grid. I mean, what, what does the culture look like there? I think the people understand that they're part of a mission to increase global renewable energy. And what we're doing every day allows it to be more renewable energy on the grid. That's a fact. 
And the bigger we get, the more we scale, the more we'll help to solve that problem, put more renewable energy on the grid. That's how we see ourselves. And anybody that, I don't know what other crypto guys are doing, but our company, every project we do going forward, including this, this one we're building now, will help enhance returns for those that build renewable energy and put them on the grid. That in itself mathematically automatically means that we're playing a huge role in putting more renewable energy on the grid. That's our job. That's our reason for being. You know, it's it, it's a pretty it's it's so interesting. This I feel like we're it's like a weird juxtaposition where you know you have some competitors that aren't doing it like how you guys are doing it, and yet crypto is supposed to potentially solve so many of the world's problems, and yet they're choosing to um, use different types of energy resources in order to to mine. So why why are your competitors doing that that way when and and you and you're well not and why you already explained why you're doing it your way but why are they doing it that way? Um, it's easy to take shortcuts. It's easier to say, oh, there's a coal plant that shut. I'll use that. That's easy. It's cheap. It's there. No one's running it. I can pay a few dollars. I own it. I power my or say, oh, there's a gas plant. I could take the coal plant, convert it to natural gas. We don't consider natural gas renewable. It isn't. It's, it's not coal, but it's not renewable. So we don't do natural gas. And so it's just easy. You get a lot of load, not a lot of headache to, to build it out. But you know what? Long term, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to regulation. It's vulnerable to, to some politicians saying, hey, you can't take this load off this grid over here. You know, we need it for, for industry, for citizens. We're not taking load off the grid. We're taking junk that wouldn't be used by anybody else. So I got a few corporate type questions for you. You, know, you are the CEO of public company, right? Um, so I wanted to ask about capital allocation strategy and framework. You mentioned earlier that you know you are potentially looking at m a uh you need to you know raise and look for good quality sources of capital in order to continue to to build out more projects tell me your strategy there if, if you can or as much as you, you're willing to say uh especially also on the m a side where, where you know what what a potential acquisitions look like i'll start on the m a side you know okay. i don't think it's a secret that we are looking for the right size right business mix of high performance compute to add to our portfolio. We are moving forward with our own organic efforts, but I think that um, if the right acquisition came along, you know, we would seriously, you know, consider it and, and try to move forward with it. That, that's clear. Um, I think that uh, in terms of capital raising, we look to capitalize the company at two levels. One is at the, uh, project level where we take in project level you know, debt as well as project level equity. And we do the same at the corporate level. And that's allowed us to have a, a very efficient and effective you know, capital cost. We also are very careful in how and when we put capital out. We've been very fortunate in our e equipment purchases and that you know, we've gotten extremely good prices and we've been very opportunistic uh, at, at buying our equipment. So so far, we've been fortunate, and uh, I would say 
not every decision is perfect, but we've gotten more right through all. So how much, if at all, have, have your shareholders influenced your decision-making process? Um, some shareholders have been actually really helpful. They've suggested ways to raise capital. They've made referrals. And you know, I think we're fortunate that we have a shareholder base that believes in our mission and is actually really helpful to us. So I'm not going to point out to specific things I've done that have been very specifically referred to by a shareholder, but those shareholders know who they are because I've been grateful to them personally. Um, and there are a bunch out there that have uh, you know, helped change the course of the company a little bit. Absolutely. So uh, another question that I, I want to ask, you know, and, and I ask this to all the CEOs on, on this pod, and it, it's plain devil's advocate, right? What, what in your, from your perspective, what would you say are some of the company's downside risks, if you had to point some out? Sure. Um, let's not kid ourselves. My margins depend on the price of Bitcoin. Long-term, they do and they don't, meaning a low price of Bitcoin will eventually pull lots of people off the network and my profits will readjust. But day-to-day, if Bitcoin goes down by 50%, not everyone's going to unplug in one day, and it does hurt me. So short-term swings in Bitcoin do hurt margins, number one. Um, Number two, other risks to the business we're a growing business. We need if, you know, good access to inexpensive capital that helps us grow. You know, in order for us to grow, we, we need to be able to access the debt markets, the preferred equity capital markets, and, and so on, and the project capital markets. That, those are important to us. And hiring really great people, that's something we try to do every day. So those, those are the areas of, of concern for us. Absolutely. All right. Well, my final question for you before I let you go here, because uh, listen, you got to go, you got to do some mining back there. Um, is do you enjoy being a public company CEO? I, and it's not an easy job. It can really suck at times. Let's all be real. Um, but but it can also be quite rewarding, right? And so, I'd love to hear your perspective there. There are aspects of it I enjoy. I'm very lucky in that there is a operating company CEO, John Belazare, that really does a lot of the day-to-day CEO work. I'm much more focused on, you know, capital markets, strategy, capital allocation, and some high-level personnel decisions. So in terms of making sure we, you know, our, 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 our operations stay on plan, John really does a great job with that. So I'm lucky, and then I'm working with fine people that I've worked with before, and that's been very effective for me and very rewarding. So although I, it's, it's, it's a lot to do. And I think frankly, that more challenging part is not the public company part. The more challenging part is we've set ourselves a high bar to scale. We are growing and growing rapidly. And that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on our operating team and on me, frankly. And that's pressure that we put on ourselves because we see the opportunity and we're looking to grow aggressively. That's what we do. And that's what our team is geared to do. So in a way, it's rewarding to look back and say, wow, where were we 16 months ago? Look at where we are now and look at where we're going to be at the end of the year. Kind of amazing. And so it's rewarding and exhausting at the same time. That is the common answer. <laughs> Rewarding and exhausting. 
Makes total sense. Well, with that, Michael, where can our audience go and find more information to follow along the Saluna story? Yeah, I mean, you can go onto our website, which is uh, salunacomputing.com. And you can flip into the Investor Center and there's contact information there if you want to reach out to us with questions. But remember, Robert, we release monthly by-site information, both financial and operating data. So investors can really um, get a good sense as to what we're doing every month. And if they've got questions, we're, we're, we're glad to um, answer them. Very good. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next chat. Thanks, Robert. Take care of yourself. Thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.